Writing online is a career fast track, but with over 203 million freelance writers worldwide, how can you stand out from the crowd? Peak Freelance gives you the tools to find better clients, raise your rates, and focus on doing work you enjoy. Plus, it gives you access to a supportive community of like-minded freelancers and experienced writers who make a living writing. All Access members unlock a library of resources, templates, and expert interviews to grow and scale your business. Join Peak Freelance today. Welcome back to Freelance Bitters! Hello, thank you for joining us for this episode. We're drinking the same thing as last episode. Days apart. Days apart. (laughs) We've just Uh, been drinking tequila for days. (laughs) Days and days. And days. We we don't want to create a snooze fest. Let's keep everyone talking about it. All right, so another question. How to not write a snooze fest of a blog beast. So what you can do to put some life into your content to stand out. <laughs> and that's what we're going to be kind of talking about from here on out. Yeah. All right. So, Ashley, yes. you are the one of the top creative writers that I know. Like, you're the way that you are able to make, like, a boring topic stand out, <laughs> it's, I think, is one of the reasons why. It's one of the things that makes you a special writer. Thank you know, you. it's because you're able to bring creativity together with these, like, really boring and dull topics. Even though you do cover, like, reporting style stuff, too, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do bring a nice edge to those, like, traditional marketing topics. Um, and that's something I've always admired about you. So, Thank you. kind of, like, talk us through, like, how do you... I don't think we need to know, like, the writing process, because right. we're all pretty familiar with how, how it works. But how do you make blogs, like, not a total snooze fest? <laughs> not a total snooze fest. Okay. So I think that the very first thing that I do, and it's one thing that I talk about on my first client call and I talk about it in my brief, is to just talk about the tone that the blog is is going for or that the brand is going for. And a lot of the people that I write for, like, for example, I wrote for HostGator for a long time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, for years. And HostGator, I mean, it's a, it's a web hosting company. Right. And the topics are very... Dry. Boring and most of the content, <laughs> yeah. But they they wanted to they wanted to like bring some voice, and so they wanted to kind of be a little bit a little bit snarky, a little bit edgy to to use examples that would make something interesting. So instead of just talking about like like this is what this type of hosting means to to use like an analogy or something okay. that's that's relatable. And I think that with really technical topics, that's really good because I mean everybody. Not everybody knows a lot about web hosting, right. but anyone who needs needs to build a blog and wants to kind of DIY it needs to know, but they mm-hmm. need to have something that's like relatable. And so I think that that for them, developing a tone and be, not being able, not being afraid to bring some personality into it, mm-hmm. not being afraid to kind of talk like you were explaining it to a friend or something like this. Question. Question. Wait, when you say like personality, what do you mean? Like, I mean, like, yeah. are you talking about like, be like, are you fucked with your with your web hosting? You know, like, like, how's your how's your web hosting? I, ask, you would, know, like, like, I would absolutely love to read a post that said that personally, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be so strong. But I think that for for me, I would ask like, are you going for something that is like snarky or edgy, or something that is professional, um, mm. something that is very succinct and with lots of examples, like just, just kind of really making sure that you understand the tone. And that can mean 
like if you look at my samples across the board, like they're very different and mm-hmm. the, the, the tone can be like, if I'm writing something for, you know, I can never think of who my clients are. If I'm writing, <laughs> you know, it's like an ailment. It's like, I don't have any. It's a joke. Just She's not even a writer. I'm not she, even a writer. She writes one travel blog. That I, do, I, do math for, I do math for a living. I'm just here. I'm just here because they told me there fun. were free drinks. There's tequila. <laughs> Yeah, but if, if I write for something, some somebody who wants like a more professional tone, I'm not going to bring in that like, you know, sarcastic or whatever. Okay. Versus somebody who's like, I want to have like a more editorial. I want you to bring your voice into it. I want you to bring your personality into it. Then it's going to be very different. Yeah. So I guess that was a really long way of saying, discuss what tone you want to accomplish. Another way, like even if your clients want something that's like very crisp and professional, mm-hmm. there's still ways to make it interesting. Mm-hmm without being like snarky or like annoying. Cause like sometimes that tone can be annoying, especially for certain brands. Sure. Um, it's also condescending. It can come off as condescending it if it's done right. the wrong way. Absolutely. And that's the hard, that's a hard balance to find. And mm-hmm. That's why I avoid like snark and yeah. stuff like that because right. I can't do it right. Cause I feel like I'll just be belittling, <laughs> belittling people, the reader. Yes. Um, so that's why, yeah. I don't belittle. I just am so funny. She's hilarious. <laughs> I can't account for that. <laughs> After spending 36 to 48 hours to get, no, longer than that, side by side. A besties. <laughs> but, yeah. okay, so so I think that, and I like to compare this to, like, I've talked about this a lot recently, but, like, what an AI text will do versus what somebody who is human will do. So an AI will, like, scrape content, use NLP, like, use an algorithm to see what exists and talk about it very generally. Mm. And as humans, we can do that as well. And But it's not content that's, like, really gripping or really interesting. And so I, I think that a couple of things, if you take a topic and you, you interview experts, like, mm. they're going to have a really interesting take. If you make a statement and then you use an example that, that, that is a best practice in real life, like, if you're talking about email marketing or something, you actually go and you grab a screenshot of an email that is like from a brand that's like doing something very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you can bring original research to, to the table. A lot of times, and this can, this depends, this can be tricky, but like a lot of times you can do, you know, basic, a basic poll or something. And that's going to be like, I, I reached out to this audience. It wasn't like a study, but it still gave me perspective into what people feel about this topic. Mm. And so, yeah, you're bringing research, you're bringing stats into the conversation. And then I, I think that just providing as much context as possible, like, you, like not just like leaving it on the surface, but just like really diving into a topic and and just giving examples, giving stories, giving anecdotes, giving expert opinion, thing like that is really going to liven up your post. It's going to make people understand it and it's going to keep it interesting to read. And that's how Amen. that's the snooze fest it up. <laughs> I also, I'll talk about this. Remind me to, okay. I want to hear from you and then I'll add something else. Okay. Go on. Okay, Go what about on. you? What do you do to make what you write do do? Oh, This is like putting me on the spot here. No, I'm just kidding. We already knew we were going to talk about this. So that's not on the spot. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Peak Freelance, the community for writers who want to grow their business, make more money and get incredible clients. Check us out today. So not to like reiterate the things that you've already said, some other things I like to play around with mm-hmm. um, to make things not a total snooze fest is format. I'm a big format Good person. One. Yeah. And so 
And some examples are, so keeping intros short, because um, I know there's a lot, there's also a narrative right now about intros, like mm -hmm. I've read, I've been reading about, and some people are like, if they write, I've literally seen like, if you write a long intro, I've seen on LinkedIn, you don't know what you're talking about. Like it's like the reader rambling on to like make up for their lack of knowledge on a topic. Interesting. I think that's total bullshit. I, do um, I just do believe that intros for today's sake should be shorter. Mm -hmm. And so that's like a formatting thing, right? Unless your client tells you completely otherwise, like, hey, but I don't think any really do. Like mm -hmm. any briefs that I've gotten usually are like 100 words to 125 words or something yeah. like that. Okay. Get to it. So another example of format, right? Like I do tool roundup posts mm -hmm. uh, a lot. And one thing I like to do is if you can't, if, you're, if the client's not able to do a like full on like coding thing where they can do, you know, like PC mag on all their roundups, you can like swipe through and like see all these bullet points. You can do things like a top picks, right? Like a top picks um, H2 before you get into like the reviews of all mm -hmm. these tools. And so the idea is to give the reader exactly what they need to know right when they land on the page. Because what that really does is, and also with keeping an intro short, those two things together, it reinsures that the reader, it reinsures the reader that they're in the right place. Right. Yes. So whether they're coming in from search or social, it's like search or social, I guess, like, or like a, or like a feed, like Hacker News or something. Uh -huh. When they land on their page, they read that first bit and they're like, oh, okay, like this is exactly the information that I want. You may give it, you may give everything to them right there. Yep. Um, and that's great. And maybe they bounce, but they remember where they got the information from, or they're like, okay, these people know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read further. So they scroll down. Maybe they see like the 12 tools that you've spoken about. They click down to the one that they want to read about. Also in that case, I'm doing things like putting like best four mm -hmm. like underneath. So again, if someone goes to check the tool, say it's like click up and this is just an example. I've never written this for would say it's click up and it's like best for teams of five to 10 people, yeah. you know, like the reader knows like, oh, I'm a team of five to 10 people. Like this is exactly the tool that I want to read about. So that's not, and the way I feel like it's not a snooze fest is because you're giving people exactly what they're looking mm -hmm. for and you're helping navigate them through the page. Yeah. Another thing that I do to like keep the reader engaged is putting action boxes at the end of certain things. So okay. yeah, like you can have like a how to, like, like say, like say you have your how to section, right? Or like your how to subheader, you have like seven steps or seven tips or whatever. My general format is like description, illustration, action. That's like, that usually I call it the, uh, I think it's called the DIA formula. Okay. And that's usually how I phrase like work through content, mm -hmm. especially if it's like a tips or a how to. Yeah, it's less, uh, it's less effective for like benefit sections or like mm -hmm. definition sections. Yeah. You don't need all that description. But what I like to do is do like a recap at the end. Right. So, and you can even do like, you can code a different color around, like you can make like a separate box separate from the section and like do a little light bulb emoji and say like action, action item or action tip, or you should know like something fun, you know, and then like basically do a little recap in the section right at the end. So again, like if someone's skimming it, it's also a visual cue for them to stop and see exactly what like they need to do to complete that. It's like condensing the entire section to one little box. Right. Um, and I like to use those visual cues throughout the articles. So bullet lists, mm -hmm. images, I interview experts and I like to do the pull quotes, like a lot of pull quotes, yeah. not a lot. Cause actually I think like there needs to be a balance between mm -hmm. pull quote, like between like using pull quotes. Cause I feel even as a reader, if I'm reading something, if there's a pull quote, every, literally every section, it gets boring and repetitive yeah. in my opinion. And that's a total snooze fest, but it also makes me feel like 
Because again, there's also a balance between like your topical knowledge and the expert's knowledge. So I feel like if you're using pull quotes every single section, mm -hmm. you're, the writer didn't actually do all the research that's possible. They're just taking from what the expert said. And again, it's like a fine balance. Like obviously the experts, they're so important to having your article, but making sure you're using their information, not like uh, overwhel like not overwhelming the reader with the information. So I'm very like, the way I use pop quotes is very sparing throughout an article. It really has to be a point that like hits home. Yes. Talking about style too is, this is exactly what makes a good internet mm -hmm. and an engaging internet writer, as opposed to, yeah, as opposed to an academic writer or something. Because when people come and they want information on the internet, what is going to engage them is something that is highly scannable, filled with the right information, but to the point. And that's, it's very, it's very different than journalistic content. It's very different than academic content. It's very different than all these different types of, of content that, that we can write. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's like the perfect way to write a non-speed, like considering style is a great way to, to engage people. I think we see that on Twitter too. Like a lot of what is performing on Twitter, how it is styled and how it is written uh, yeah, yeah. is, is very indicative of how it will perform. Like mm -hmm. if you make it scannable, and if it looks pretty, like it is going to perform better than a block of text. This is mm -hmm. the exact same thing. Yeah, definitely. And I know some clients that have also used, it's like different tiers of call to action. So you have like your main call to action, right? That's like your sign up for a free trial or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they also have like micro uh, call to actions throughout. Like, so for example, if you're talking about an email software tool, like maybe like one of those sign up things would be for an email. So be like, get this, like, uh, get this very specific something about email marketing or mm -hmm. ticks or tips or tech. <laughs> tips or tactics. Tips or tactics. <laughs> <laughs> tips or tactics. Sorry. Or, you know, like another example is like if you're writing, like if there's a section about Google Analytics, pop something in and it's like, here's a Google Analytics template from mm -hmm. like your e commerce store. And whatever. So also using like micro CTAs throughout it. Um, also to con to improve conversions, right? And it's mm -hmm. just, it's also, it's relevant to the reader if they're reading about a topic and there's there's other types of call to actions in there besides just like sign up for our free stuff, you know, like get our, like or sign up for this or sign up for that. Sign up for a newsletter. Yeah, yeah, they'll sign up for a newsletter. But also like using call to actions that are actually relevant to what someone's reading about. Yes. Um, as a way to just get them onto an email list or something. And to tell know? them exactly what it is they need to do. Yeah. And so yeah, and it's like, you can, even if you're confused, like say you're writing an article, you're confused about like how to format something, you can look to Google for, for cues, right? Like for mm -hmm. example, if there is a, if there's a video carousel in the cert, you should talk to the client and see if they have a YouTube video that you can plug in there. Okay. Cause that shows like, if you're searching for something and a video carousel comes up, that means there's interest in people wanting to also watch something mm -hmm. about a topic. So if you can include like a, a video, say like in your article, that may help it rank. And also it may help meet like, uh, not, I mean, that's not the search intent, but meet like a style of understanding the content that the, that people actually want, yeah. not like what your client wants. Because at the end of the day, it's really not about what your client wants. So it's about what the people want. What their want. audience wants. Yeah. yeah. Also, you know, like if you see the snippet feature is a list, like a one through seven list, like, you know, you should probably use a, table of content yes. for that specific section mm -hmm. that's like one and and number out those like h3 subheaders and everything so you can even you can use clues like that to kind of like hint at how to style your stuff 
People also ask box if there's like four or five questions, you can make an FAQ out of that in your in your article. Mm -hmm. Do a schema markup, so then you also your um, listing turns into like a little people also ask box itself, mm -hmm. uh, and that's even like before you even write. You know, what I mean, that's yeah. before someone even clicks through the article. <laughs> yeah. You're already yeah, you're already yeah. getting you're already that's getting awesome. them interested, right? Because that's all we're trying to do. Uh -huh. That's the whole point of not writing like snoozeworthy of not writing content that makes people snooze is like, we're just trying to keep their interest and capture their attention. I love that. Now I want to pivot. Pivot. <laughs> and this is kind of, this is, I don't know, I'm just thinking this as I'm, as I'm talking and this isn't like a long idea I've had forever. I've been writing for 11 years and it has evolved significantly mm -hmm. as to what engages, what ranks, sure. what people want. And even in the last few years, there's been this kind of weird fuse between journalism and blogging mm -hmm. that I didn't think exists, that didn't exist before. And so with that in mind, and with the introduction of a lot of AI writing tools, my prediction uh, is you that- You are so obsessed with AI writing tools I'm and so hating them. <laughs> they, can, they can help some things like being boring. Exactly. Snooze fast. <laughs> but I I think that my prediction is that it will continue to evolve and that creativity will be highly rewarded over whatever, how boring stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that it will evolve. And so I think that to prepare for that, it's really important to read different types of contents. It's important to mm. actually click through to the report and read the academic report. It's important to continue to read poetry. Yeah. It's going to have an influence on how you use language how you use structure, yeah. how you use style. Um, and I'm not saying you should like write a poem for Shopify or something like, <laughs> no, but, Why not? but I think, um, yeah. And so reading, you know, academic papers, different blogs, like I think that the more you can expose yourself to different kinds of styles, the more you can say, use it to influence how you, how you write and how you structure things. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting just to see if writers play with that. And, and I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying do this or don't do this. I'm just saying, I think it will be interesting to see what happens mm -hmm. and if anything does happen. But but regardless, even if you know everything stays the same, I think it is important to, to keep those creative juices flowing by exposing yourself to lots of different kind of, kinds of writing, both on the internet and off. And as you do that, it, it'll make you a better writer as well. I love that. And I love that because I, I love reading fiction. Like right now, I'm, I'm hooked on stories about the U.S. South, like, and they they come from a lot of different types of stories, like you know. Uh -huh. But I'm I'm like loving these fiction stories about based in the south, the southern U.S. Mm -hmm. and just yeah, reading fiction stories and understanding like flow, right? That's another thing that a really good novel can sub like almost subconsciously make you better at. Like you don't mm -hmm. you're not aware that you're getting better at flow, but you maybe it may become easier to write. You know, you find yourself like not being stuck on writing an intro or like how do you, how to structure a piece because now you have like the DIN, the DIA template in your head. You're a mm -hmm. fiction reader. You know how to, you know, flow, like flowetry, poetry with flow. Flowetry. So you're learning how to like flow, right? And like, that's a really important part of keeping people engaged and not writing a snooze fest article also. Yes. It's just having a good flow from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And again, meeting that with good formatting. You got yourself a banger there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, 
Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks yeah, so much for joining us episode. again. Yeah, we got a, we got some drinks to mix up and uh, another topic to talk to you about. Ooh, catch you later.